This episode is sponsored by me, Andy Hill, the host of this show. If you're looking for someone to support you on your family, wealth, and happiness journey, I'm taking on a select number of coaching clients this year. To work with me one-on-one for your family finances, go to marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching to learn more. It's about saying, I want A, I want B, I want C, I can't have D right now, or maybe I'll push D off a little bit. And we really aren't, we don't care at all about what those jobs are. We just care that when the money is done being assigned, you don't pretend there's still more there. This show is dedicated to helping you strengthen your family tree and live financially free. Welcome to the Marriage, Kids, and Money podcast, everybody. This is Andy Hill. And today we're talking about why you need a budget. I've been throwing the B word around for the past couple of years on this podcast, and for some people, it makes them cringe. It makes them feel a restriction or a lack or just simply, it's just unfun for them. But according to my guest today, once you actually develop a budget and make it a part of your life, it can give you more freedom than you ever imagined. Jesse Meekum is my guest today. Jesse is a personal finance expert, a speaker, and the founder and CEO of YNAB, or You Need a Budget. Jesse hosts the You Need a Budget podcast and is a Wall Street Journal bestselling author of, you guessed it, You Need a Budget. When he's not teaching people how to budget, Jesse loves gardening, woodworking, marksmanship, and travel. He also spends a good bit of time with his wife and the seven small people that live in their house. Welcome to the show, Jesse. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Absolutely. Absolutely. So Jesse, budgets probably had some effect on your life at some point. When did you create your first budget? Just after Julie and I got married. So Julie, my wife, of coming up on 18 years, we were we were married and you know, newlywed, very poor students in school, which is totally appropriate, totally fine. But yeah, we were living on a very, very meager income and and had all the school stuff still to tackle. So we just kind of said, well, we got to make sure that we watch, you know, watch our dollars. And so from that, we decided we should do a little bit of budgeting. And so I, I built kind of a spreadsheet and that that helped us out for about a year. And actually proved quite helpful with a few things I'd kind of discovered along the way in that year. And when our first was coming along, his name's Porter, I came up with this fairly egotistical idea that maybe other people would want to use this spreadsheet that I'd built. So that was where the business was born. But first and foremost, it was built just just for the two of us and, and budgeting has, has served as well. So talk about that a little bit. From starting off as a young couple and then becoming young parents, how did creating a budget and living on it help you to get where you wanted to go? We had a little bit of an advantage because we started out by talking about our money through, you know, by nature of the fact that we were saying, well, what should we budget for? What should we spend our money on? And so we, we didn't have to undo any rough habits that couples may build up. And so in that sense, it was that was pretty easy. But not two days ago, we were having another discussion and we were kind of peeling the onion on why we were spending here. And at the end of the day, I actually sent Julie a text later from the office and I just said, I think I think the crux of it is we need to sit down and think like bigger picture for a bit, like kind of step back. And she's like, yeah, I agree. So budgeting first and foremost for us is just about getting on and then staying on the same page, not continuously, but but regularly. And that's that's the big deal. I mean, when you think about how much effort you put into earning the money, 
and how much effort you put into this relationship. And then for some reason, when it comes to that effort being, being kind of transmutated into money, then we're like, ah, whatever, you know, it's, it's a little off in that way. So when couples can get on the same page and that actually has nothing to do with money, then, you know, magic starts to happen. Absolutely. Well, I mean, it sounds like the budget could be that plan, could be that piece of paper or whatever, however you decide to do it, that allows you to make that plan, whether you're early on in your relationship and you don't know what you want to plan for, or if you're well into it and you say, wow, we got to figure this, this situation out. The B word does have a bad connotation out there for some people. Why do you think that is? I mean, Andy, you led with it. You know, you were kind of like, it's, it means restriction. It, you know, you were kind of playing to that. And it's true. People, when they think budget, I think they, they must think about dieting or something. You'll never get a cookie again. It, it's very much about cutting, cutting expenses, cutting back, trimming. Nothing is additive when people think about budgeting. And so that's the first thing that we have to kind of turn on its head or at least question deeply. Now, as, as a company, we don't say, hey, you're spending too much, you're spending too much. All we say is, what would you like your money to do? And as people start working through that exercise, it is not at all uncommon. As a matter of fact, it is very common for people to find places where they cut, but it's only because of the clarity they found while looking at the things they wanted. And so it's not about saying no, it's really about saying, I want this more. And that's where you get the idea of, you know, people saying, I feel like I got a raise. I feel like my money's going further. It's just because it's it's not going to those things that they found out they really don't care too much about. Sure, yeah, and it, and it seems like, because I've spent some time in the tool, you have to make not only the physical choice, but the philosophical choice when you have either exceeded a line item or you have another area that you want to spend more on, you have to make that choice. And it sounds like that's how you guys have built the tool. Is that right? Absolutely. Yeah, that is, I mean, that is rule one. When you're giving every dollar a job, we call it, by by very nature of the fact that it's zero-based, you can't give dollars to every single job. You have to be picky. And it's interesting, as as kids, if you were to sit down and do a rule one exercise with, with a small child and say, here's, I don't know, a meaningful amount of money, $20 maybe, here's $20. And then you say, what would you like? They'll say, something. And then you'll say, well, don't you want this as well? Don't you? And you'll kind of feed them and kind of go at them along and start getting them really thinking about all the things they could potentially want. But at the end of the day, when you bring it back to, well, wait, you only have $20. They are so good at saying, oh, oh, well, let's forget all of that. I, I just want this thing. As somewhere along the way, we lose the ability to just recognize that everything is trade-offs. And we, we've just kind of we avoid making the trade-off. We patch over probably with a little bit of credit card debt here and there that slowly adds up. But we just kind of don't want to say, well, if I want this, I can't have that. We just kind of say, well, I want this. And then someone else tells us through some ad, well, you want that too, and you want this. And then it's two-day shipping, so why not want that? And it, it starts to kind of feed on itself. And it's not that any of that is wrong on its face. It's just that we really need to be presented regularly with those trade-offs. And when you're doing that trade-off exercise, and it really is just budgeting. If I put money here, I can't put it here. I can only do a little bit here. When you're doing that, what it's doing for you is it's flushing out your priorities. And those are becoming crystal clear. And that is, that's where, where magic happens. That's where people start to feel like they're motivated, like they're, they're gaining ground on their goals because they're just crystal clear on what matters most. 
You mentioned rule one in, in your response there. You have four rules for budgeting that I saw on your website. I thought maybe that could be helpful for people as we walk through them. Obviously, you just mentioned rule one. Is that just putting a dollar to or assigning a dollar to each of these assignments that you want? It's about saying I want A, I want B, I want C. I can't have D right now, or maybe I'll push D off a little bit. And we really aren't, we don't care at all about what those jobs are. We just care that when the money is done being assigned, you don't pretend there's still more there. It works. Every other rule is really just a derivative of that first rule. Every other rule just presents trade-offs for you in a different way. Well, with our second rule where, where we're talking about in, embracing true expenses, which is a little bit, people are kind of like, well, what does that mean, a, a true expense? But we're really talking about larger, less frequent expenses that tend to sneak up on us. So... I mean, we just had Christmas and there's some number of people that are like, man, I really wish I would have known about Christmas, you know, <laughs> even though Costco, like Costco tells you Christmas is coming. I think like late July, they're like, Hey, would you like to buy a tree? What about wrapping paper? So we have warnings, but we tend to act like it's this surprise or we act like our cars are infinitely reliable, that they'll never break down, that the t car tires will never wear out. And so when we talk about true expenses, we're saying, Hey, Christmas is an expense. Let's think about for easy math, I'll say you want to send, spend $600 on Christmas and festivities. That means that every month you have a Christmas bill for 2021. And we're talking about this month, January, setting aside $50, next month, 50. Most people, when you frame it that way, they're like, well, I could spend 50 bucks. But when it comes to where you have nothing and you get to December 1st, you know, people start to grab the cards and they start to cover that, that problem where they're, they've run out of money they're just saying, well, I'll, I'll just use it this one time. I'll pay it off right away. And we get in traps there. So embracing your true expenses is an acknowledgement that there are larger, less frequent expenses that you need to break up into monthly amounts. And they might be known like a property tax bill where you know, you're dictated to what you should pay. They could be an unknown amount like Christmas where you get to decide. They could be an unknown amount and an unknown time like your appliance breaking. But all of those definitely require more than zero dollars. And so we want to start setting aside for those. The beauty of it is when you tie it back to rule one, now when you say, hey, Jesse, do you want to go get sushi? And I think, I look at my budget and I'm thinking, okay, I do want to get sushi. But now I'm all of a sudden considering sushi with Andy versus Christmas. And do I want to make that trade-off? And those aren't trade-offs that we're used to making. But when we do, we're actually really good at them. I might say, well, no, instead, let's do some little cheap sandwich shop. And you say, oh, okay, that's fine. Christmas is still covered. You and I still get to have a nice lunch. All that works out. But those trade-offs where you're thinking about future Andy and current Andy, and they both come to the negotiation table and you're like, listen, I'm going to be stranded on the side of the freeway and I don't want to not have any money to be able to pay for a tow truck. And President Andy's like, well, I don't want that for you either. So I, I think I can throw you a bone here. And you're like, okay, thanks. I'll see you in a little bit. You know, and that kind of negotiation needs to happen. And then when you bring in a couple, it's just four people at the table. You've got future spouse, both future spouses, current spouses, and it's this four-way conversation. It's interesting to note that there are sometimes can be very significant differences between what future husband versus future wife is maybe thinking about and what makes them feel safe and good. So that's that's kind of a, tangent, but it's interesting to bring all four to the table. I always seem to get in a fight with future Andy versus present Andy. I, I always make these really great ideas. And then future Andy's like, why'd you do that? Why, why'd you make all these plans? 
it's a good point to to think about both sides, both of your sides as you're looking into this. So you talk about the the beauty of these sinking funds or thinking about things for the future. I noticed in my life a lot of the times where I felt the most relief was when ah, I've got the money for Christmas or I've got the money for property taxes. Technically, how can people do that? I know that we say, hey, let's practically get there over this 12-month period. Do I set aside 50 bucks in a separate account? Like, How do I practically do that? When I'm chatting and trying to teach people these rules of budgeting, I, I try and steer clear of, of software because I, I really want people to divorce the idea that, that you need some special magical tool. It really is a principles thing. And, and I started mine with a spreadsheet and, and one of your listeners could do the same thing. So, but I will say in, in our software, you would be able to say like, I have a goal to have this much saved for Christmas by, by Christmas. And the software would basically do all the math for you. Or you say, I want to ha- I want to make sure my car repair fund has at least this much in it every week or every month really. And so if it ever went below because you had to do a repair, the software would say, Hey, we should start to try and top this up again. Now there's an interesting thing where people will really, you know, you'll get the really good idea and people kind of take it over a little too far. And so we don't want people to start thinking, Oh my gosh, my toothpaste category, I got to set it because this toothpaste will eventually run out. Like there's some level of like materiality, like gauge that a little bit, but as a new budgeter, it's okay to be a little more granular and a little more detailed. You can always back off from the detail as you get a little more experience. What we do that's different and a banker, if you ever were to walk into a bank again, you would maybe see them start to treat you a little differently. But what happens is you end up with a lot of money just sitting in your checking account. We don't have people send it off into lots of different savings accounts. It's a lot of churn and you don't need it as long as you're letting the budget tell you you've got $1,000 over here for a, or an appliance category and only $20 for that lunch with Andy. Instead of me saying, I've got 1020 I have 20. And so as you start to behave and make spending decisions based on those category balances, not the whole balance, you'll, you're totally fine. But the banker will try and sell you all kinds of products. You should do this savings account. You should do that. And, and you just have to be polite and tell them, no, thank you. You're, you're very comfortable with thousands and thousands of dollars sitting in a checking account. So it works well. And there's very little overhead to that. You're managing it all just in the software and that interface. Now, rule number three, let's jump into that because that's an area that affects a lot of us and that's overspending. So tell us what this rule is. Let's pull it back and not even call it overspending. Let's just call it life happening and then reallocating. So I, I don't know if you're into sports. I, I pretend I'm into it. I'm, I'm not terribly, but you know, if a really good coach can has, has a really good game plan and you, you'll in football, they'll be like, oh, they have a short week. That's going to affect them because they won't have that extra day of practice. And so you think, man, they're really thinking about each day being a meaningful prep for this big game. And so they're spending five days on this game plan and then the ball is snapped and immediately all of the coaches are making adjustments immediately. Not one of them is saying, hey, wait, wait, wait. We practice it this way. We've got to stick to this. But when we when we do budgeting, we we act like we're suddenly fortune tellers. Like we can see the future and say, well, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this. And I'm gonna do this. Like, what in your life ever has been like that, where you could just dictate from on high exactly how, it, I mean, gosh, uh, you know, we're recording this after a moderately different year. So if anything, we've learned from 2020, like, wow, things can change on us radically. And, and so rule three, when we're talking about rolling with the punches, as we call it, it's really just saying, Hey, something happened. Do you need to change your plan? You found out something new. Do you need to change your plan? You need to spend more on groceries because your sister's family is coming into town. You didn't realize that was going to happen. You change your plan. It's not 
overspending. It's just adjusting. And it's your plan from the, from the concept of the plan all the way through until you start the new month. But there's no line in the sand where it's like, oh, you carve that into tablets so you can't change it. It's very fluid, very dynamic. That The process of budgeting is what's important, not the budget itself. We'll be back to the show after a word from our sponsor. Are you looking for someone to walk alongside you on your journey to family financial independence? Well, I would love to help you achieve your goals and help your family thrive. I work with couples, individuals, and families all around the U.S. via video chat and can assist in the following areas. Becoming debt-free, growing your net worth, crafting and sticking to your budget, reviewing Coast Fire plans, developing strategies to build generational wealth for your kids, and designing your future work optional lifestyle. Doesn't that sound nice? <laughs> if you're interested in working with me one-on-one, you can book a time with me by visiting marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching. I would love to help you strengthen your family tree and live financially free. Visit marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching to learn more, or you can click the link in our show description. If you're looking to improve your financial situation, it helps when you're able to cut out unnecessary costs. Cell phone services are a necessity for sure, but we don't need to be overpaying for them, right? That's why I like Tello Mobile, a phone service worth talking about. We've been fully on board as a family with Tello for over two years now, and we are so happy that we made the switch. For us, the reception and data service is better than Verizon, and our costs were nearly cut in half. Tello runs on the T-Mobile network and it's wowing new customers like us with their rock bottom prices and stellar service. With over 10,000 reviews, Tello is rated as excellent on Trustpilot, and this is quite rare in the wireless world. Nicole and I went for the unlimited data, minutes, and texting plan for only 25 bucks per month each. Isn't that crazy? You heard that right. $25 is their most expensive plan, actually. And Tello is running a special offer for MKM listeners right now. Check out Tello today at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello. That's marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello and use the code MKM20 to get 20% off on your first month of service for any Tello plan above that $10 per month mark. Again, use MKM20 to get 20% off at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello, and you'll be supporting this show. Hurry up. The code is valid until April 19th, 2024. marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello. Let's jump back into the show. I think that takes a lot of the, I guess, feeling bad about your budget out of it too, you know, where it's like, well, I, I said I was going to do this and I failed. Or did you? I mean, or just did life happen and you needed to adjust throughout the month? So yeah, kudos to you on that because it's just the reality of life. And so setting up a system or setting up a philosophy that fits along with the chaos of life, especially after going through 2020, is a good way to live. So what's the last and final rule for four rules of budgeting? Yeah, absolutely. It's it's called aging your money. And it's a little bit unique to us. But the idea in a nutshell is a dollar that you earn today, it's like a dollar that was just born. And just like with babies, we don't send them out into the world. We, we let them grow. We teach them. We make sure that they understand how things work. And then eventually you're like, no, you do need to go. Please go, you know, and don't come. 
looking back, maybe. <laughs> but the idea of of that with money is we we really want to take a dollar we earned yesterday and age it, meaning we won't spend it for thirty to sixty days. And we're getting people to live instead of a pile of of money or a pile of bills, I should say, waiting for a dollar to arrive so you can finally get that check off to the utility company. Instead of that, it's it's flipped around where the pile of money is waiting there and then a bill arrives and you just send off the check. And then you can up-level and just have it all automated because the pile of money is always there. And so instead of being a month behind, we're a month ahead. Now, a lot of people, this is kind of a little bit of a, a side note, but probably worth mentioning. A lot of people, and I would, I would venture to guess your listeners as well, they might use credit cards and they might be one of those really savvy users where they never pay interest and they get points and they can travel when that's a thing. And they they end up saying, well, I, I'm super smart and I'm kind of pulling over on the banks. I get all these points and never have paid interest in my life. It may be that they also are living a month behind where they're spending on a credit card and then they're waiting for their paycheck to spend or to pay for prior living. So a good test for this, and we call it living on the float, on the credit card float. The good test is if at any moment, like right now, as you listen, you pull over and you pull out your banking app, if at any moment you could just say, I wanna pay off my current balance, you're, you're not, you're, you're fine, you have the cash on hand. But a lot of people think that they're being very responsible and they're actually a month behind and the credit card has just kind of allowed them to slip into that. So, so be aware of that. And we want you to not just be current, but we actually want you to be able to say, you know, if I didn't earn money for 30, 40 days, I could still pay off that credit card bill, or I could still handle an entire month of, of living. Thank you for walking through those four rules. I think that's very helpful for a lot of people to see how they can budget and maybe take a little bit of a guilt, you know, out of it as well. So, you know, one thing I wanted to ask you, Jesse, you have been working this budget lifestyle for now, you said for 18 years, and you also are a father to quite a few kids, right? You said seven, is that right? Quite a few. So time is an important thing for you too. Have you found a lot of correlations with your philosophy with budgeting money with budgeting time? Yeah, absolutely. I'm a big David Allen getting things done fan. And so the having some kind of system that you trust that allows you to kind of get chaos out of your head, I fully endorse. The It's funny because we regularly have happy budgeting users write in and say, could you maybe tailor this to, to help me with my calendar? And we've, we've never done it because we feel like there's so much still to be done on just helping people with the money side. But the principles, they... They work. You know, you have a finite amount in your day. You have big projects that takes that need small things done along the way. You need to adjust to the fact that life happens and your day doesn't go as as you time blocked it. And the fourth rule, you could probably say you need a little bit of breathing room. You need a little bit, little bit of space. And that's just realistic. So, I mean, that's kind of off the cuff, but yeah, they, they apply. You know, maybe they were first time management principles and I found they applied to money. I'm not sure, but yeah, they work. Well, they're both finite resources, right? We don't have endless amounts of money and we don't have endless amount of time. So aligning these principles that you've put together with your time, you know, putting forth your priorities first, saying what's the most important to me as a, as a parent, as a, a spouse, as somebody who's trying to make a difference in the world and making sure that you're spending your money and you're spending your time accordingly. So I just thought that was important to reference also because I noticed that you're not really on social media. And I think that's probably a conscious choice of yours. Why is that? Can you tell us? 
If anyone wants to just dive in, there's a great book by Cal Newport called Digital Minimalism. The prior book, Deep Work, is also phenomenally excellent. He got my mind turning in that way. And so I just kind of slowly, I didn't pull the plug completely. I just kind of slowly backed off. And then after a while, I thought, well, I haven't even logged in. And so I I finally did actually delete. I think I had to keep my, I think I kept my Twitter account for like, so no one else would be like, hey, I'm Jesse, you right, know, yeah. like that kind of a thing. <laughs> but I, yeah, I deleted everything. It's kind of hard to delete everything. It's, you know, capital T, they've made it tricky to unwind that. But I'll be honest, you know, I, I haven't, I haven't missed it. I, lately, I've been spending a lot of time say like, well, what would I do with my time instead? And I've been trying to read a hard book every day, you know, 20, 25 minutes. I don't know, just not read something that's, that's so shallow or transient. That's why I brought it up too, because I mean, we're talking about time and the amount of time that you maybe have. I find myself scrolling through, call it Twitter or whatever, and I'm like half hour passed by. What am I doing? What am I spending my time concentrating on? So as we talked about, Time, money, finite resources. So I thought I'd bring that up because I thought that was interesting on your social media side of things, especially being a father. So if somebody's listening to us yammer on about budgets and time and everything like that, and you know they think they don't need a budget. They always have money left over at the end of the month and it's not a big deal to them. What would you say to that person? Probably ask them what they want to do with the money that's left over. And if they said nothing, I'd say, well, okay, that's, that's an interesting way of budgeting. But they have the luxury of having enough. Maybe they're just habitually not a spender, which is great or they're just really good at earning money, that's great too. But yeah, everyone, if you don't have a plan, then it kind of becomes, it just kind of grows on you in some way or another. It it gets taken over. So I'd probably just start with, well, what this extra here, are you going to buy a new table sock? Because that's what I would do. But you know, like, what are are you going to do? And you'd probably find that you'd have a pretty fun conversation with that person. Because as soon as you get people thinking less about money and more about what they want, yeah, you learn a lot about the person. A whole lot. So I'm all for as simple a budget as you can get away with, provided your priorities are being met. You're aligning those priorities with your goals and your family's goals and where you want to go in the future. So somebody's also listening and they want to get started. They like what they're hearing from us, but they don't know how to approach their spouse about it because they're maybe not as excited about talking about money and things like that. Do you have any advice for somebody like that? Yeah, the last time you brought it up, it's like blew up on you. You say budget and they think that you're being a total control freak, you know? And I've been guilty of that, like guilty as charged, you know? I've tried all kinds of different ways to try and break my natural over-optimizer mentality in that regard, where my wife's just like, well, I'll I'll share something with you that's, that's pretty interesting. Just to give people an idea of like what what we're really talking about here. And I'm going to go a layer or two deep and I hope that it can be, it's abstract enough to be applied. But for a decade, we would, we know when Julie and I first married, I know we spent $150 per month on groceries, just the two of us. And we were eating cheap stuff, not healthy, but 150 bucks a month. As the family grows and as our means grew, Julie slowly spent more and more on groceries naturally, but I was always coming back and being like, do we have to spend this much? Whether it was 150 of the old days or 600 or 700, do we have to spend this much? And then it was like, oh, we overspent, we overspent, we overspent. And I was tired of having to do, I do most of like the budget lifting in the relationship. And she at that time did a lot of the grocery shopping. So I was like, where's the Julie that like knew the price of a can of corn? you know, like off the top of her head. And where's that woman that I married? And she's changed. And I think at the time we had four kids, little, little kids, you know, and, and she's like, this was the breakthrough for me. She said, for me, 
a successful grocery trip is that the kids don't melt down and I'm out of there as fast as possible. And I realized that we were measuring, like we had different jobs to be done to quote, you know, to quote Clayton Christensen. We had different jobs. I was like, oh, the job is spend as little as possible. And she was like, no, no, no. The job is convenience, ease, speed. And suddenly I thought, oh, we got to put more in the grocery budget. And we, we haven't overspent since. It was just different priorities inside that grocery category. So there's, there's nuance there. And you have to be patient with each other as you discuss these things like, wow, you reacted very stronger than I thought you would. Let's talk more about that. The best thing you can do to get started, well, there, I have two different tactics. One is, one's a tactic and one's like kind of an overall strategy. Strategy is you have a money conversation that's not about money. You just talk about what you want. And that one doesn't carry all of the blame and baggage that sometimes money, money, money conversations can carry. So have a couple of those dates where you're like, I just want to take a step back. It's the start of the year. Like, what are we going to do this year? What do we want? Like, what do you want? The other thing that you can do that's purely tactical, but if you find that you're kind of more of the money manager, this one's easier to pull off, simply budget for save squirrel money away. There was a woman that we chatted with years ago. She saved, she would return things and then take cash instead of back on the card and squirrel it away in a jar that had formerly been a basil jar. So she, she did this for an entire year. And at the end of the year, she presented all of this cash to her husband and they were able to pay off this big debt that they had been kind of lording over him. She did it secretly, which at first you're like, hey. And she said the money all smelled like basil. I was like, oh, that's not too bad, <laughs> you know? But they did kind of this celebratory thing. And and for her husband, he realized how bad she wanted that, that to happen, kind of a realization for him. But she did it in secret. And I think one of the coolest things you can do is you can budget for something that your spouse does not think is possible to purchase and just set aside money for it. Like kind of a little bit like laundering money, kind of you gotta be sneaky about it but it's for such a good cause. And you just say, hey, I've been, and keep, and then use the word budget like 50 times. Hey, I've been working with this budget and I ended up just kind of budgeting $120 every month for the last eight months. And so I thought, well, the budget says we can do this. Why don't we go to like the fanciest hotel in town and stay a night or two? And I also got us a reservation at the fanciest restaurant because the budget said we could do that too. And so you're just, reframing what it means to budget for something. And I've found that works with a lot of people that just kind of turn it on its head. And all you, you didn't change anything about how you manage money. You left status quo completely alone. You just laundered money out for a little while for that greater good purpose of saying, hey, the budget says we can do this thing. No guilt, no feeling bad. So many times we take vacations and it's just kind of half-hearted because it's like, ah, oh, we're gonna have to pay for this later. It is a joy to have all that cash ready and just blow it on that awesome vacation. That's one, that's a little tactic. So one's kind of a bigger, higher level approach. The other one's purely tactical. They're both excellent ways to kind of break new ground on thinking about how your spouse thinks about money. I think both of those are fantastic because they lead with communication. They lead with an open dialogue and listening too, finding out what their motivations are or leading with fun. You know, you lead with, hey, here's the cool thing that the budget allowed us to do together. So I love this message. I love the, the theme we're going with here, Jesse. Thank you so much for being here today. Where's the best place for people to learn more about budgeting and maybe try out YNAB? 
the best thing people can do, go to unitobudget.com or wineab.com if you're in a hurry. And we we offer these 20-minute live workshops that are online. And we've been doing them for, I don't know, 10 years, over 10 years. The teachers we have are so good at it. And it's like 20 seconds isn't wasted. So if you've attended, and in 2020, you've probably attended a lot of like online things. We do it better than anyone. So when you step into that 20 minutes, just know that we aren't going to waste a second of your time. And it's so crafted and carefully dialed in on teaching you how these concepts are then implemented in the software. It's just, it's 20 minutes well spent. Do that. And then if you want to give it a trial, it's a 34 day trial, give it a spin. We don't ask for a card up front. I hate that stuff. So I mean, here we are telling you to save your money and then we're going to like be sneaky about grabbing something. Like we, that's, we're not going to do that. So go in there, give the trial a shot, use our support, write in, ask questions. We just, we want people to succeed. And we found that as we just care just fanatically about our customers actually changing their behavior, lo and behold, it's, it's made us profitable and, and a happy place to grow and work. So Excellent. Yeah, I can attest to that, everybody. This is a company that puts customer service first. I've had a chance to go through some of these trainings that Jesse's talking about, and you can really feel it as a culture within their company. So if you're looking for a budgeting solution, a way, a philosophy to think about your money that maybe is a little different than what you've been doing in the past, check out YNAB. Jesse, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Andy. Thank you very much. Aligning our priorities for a happier tomorrow. I love it. Here are my top three takeaways from my conversation with Jesse Meekum. Number one, it's not no, it's just yes to something else. For all those that feel budgets are restricting, I wanted to challenge that notion with this interview with Jesse. When you build a budget, you are defining what you want to say yes to. You are, as Jesse said so well, fleshing out your priorities. Number two, speak to the reluctant spouse about life, not money. Oh man, I have failed at this so many times. <laughs> I start with the numbers or the budget and Nicole looks at me like I'm speaking German. <laughs> if we just talk about life first, then we can let the numbers follow. If we talk about our values first, then we can let the numbers follow. Give that a shot and see how that one works. Number three, time and money are finite. More and more lately, I'm experiencing the crazy parallels between time and money. We only have so much money, just like we only have so much time in the day. If we examine our values and our priorities first, then our budget and our schedule should match up to those values and priorities. And if they aren't matched up for you today, take the steps to create a budget and a schedule that moves you towards the life you've always wanted. As a quick reminder, everybody, this show is for entertainment purposes only. Be sure to seek out a professional for your specific financial situation. Big thanks to Dan Tabbitt for editing today's show and to Alec Collins for editing our YouTube videos. You can find those at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash YouTube, including this interview with Mr. Jesse. Before we go for the day, I'd like to ask you to do one quick favor. Join me and nearly 1,000 other families in the Thriving Families Facebook community. This is a free community with like-minded families, and we're just doing our best to help each other 
have a great life and thrive. One thing that we like to do in the group is share our family wins. And one of our newer members, Charlie, he shared that he paid off his first credit card. He said he's starting this journey and 2021 on the right foot. Charlie, that is awesome. Completely agree with you. You are starting this year off on the right foot and you know, just doing the right thing, getting that high interest credit card out of your life, you're going to have a lot more space and just jump on to the next step in your journey. So way to go, man. Can I get a round of applause for our new friend, Charlie? All right. Way to go, Charlie. This is great, man. Great way to start the year. If you want to get inspired by others in our group and share your wins, please join us at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash community. That's marriagekidsandmoney.com slash community. When you share these things publicly, it motivates you and it holds you accountable to keep going. So take advantage of this free group. Again, everybody, that's at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash community. I hope to hang out with you soon. In the spirit of growth and inspiration, I'm going to end the show with a quote today from Mark Twain. To change your life, you need to change your priorities. All right, everybody, let's define our priorities and carve our path forward. Carpe diem. 